Hey, thanks for checking out the Dynasty Blueprint. This week, Matt and I were joined by Dan Sanio to recap the Week 11 action around the league. We talked about the value of Cortland Sutton and DJ Chark, and if now is the right time to sell Christian McCaffrey in your Dynasty League. We ended the show with a Back to the Future wide receiver draft with a couple of surprises towards the end of that draft. Hope you enjoy. Welcome into another edition of the Dynasty Blueprint. I'm your host, Ryan McDowell, joined as always by Matt Williamson. Matt, we are through 11 weeks. How's it going? It's going well. Going quick. Uh, amazing. It's starting to get chilly here in Pittsburgh and feels like winter. Feels like we're coming down the home stretch of the NFL season. Much to discuss today, and we have a, a great guest as we always have these Tuesdays with Dan. It's, I'm excited for some good conversation tonight. That is right. We do have uh, we do have Dan Sanio back with us. Dan, of course, is the co-host of the Dynasty Tradecast and joins us uh, every week to recap the NFL week uh, from a Dynasty standpoint. He does that on Twitter as well. He hits on every single game there and basically every Dynasty-relevant player. And we'll cover a few of those each week on the show. Matt, I, I think we have to start. You know, we have to start with this Pittsburgh thing. Obviously, just a crazy scene last Thursday. And if it wasn't if it wasn't you in Pittsburgh, we wouldn't even talk about it because it doesn't it doesn't have any dynasty relevance. But I just have to hear your take on what went down. <laughs> I mean, utter craziness. I mean. The game was miserable, obviously, from a Steelers perspective. I mean, a short week, you know, just decimated with injuries, really playing terrible, getting manhandled by a team you used to beat up on. And, I mean, the way I saw it, kind of the play-by-play was, I thought Garrett hit Rudolph late, not drastically, and then kind of, just, you know, put it, just kind of held him down there a little bit. Rudolph was frustrated, probably shouldn't have did what he did, and kind of went for his, like, neck, throat, face mask area. But those things happen on most plays, or not most plays, but in most games you'll see something along those lines. And then Garrett lost his mind. I mean, takes the helmet off, smacks him over the head with it. I've never seen a more violent or dangerous act on a football field than that. I mean, everyone's very lucky that he didn't, you know, break his skull or concuss him in a bad way or possibly kill him. I mean, like that, imagine someone, you know, windmilling a helmet on top of your head with the force that Miles Garrett can create. Uh, I thought the, the punishments were, were about right. Um, you know, Ojinobi gets one for jumping in late. I thought Pouncey would get two. He ended up getting three and, uh, Miles Garrett, to me, deserves to be out of the league for the rest of the year, and then that's it. Yeah, did you uh, did you expect Rudolph to get any suspension? Um, or, or I guess what was what was the general thought around town, around the team? Well, one note I should have said before is for people that don't know, everyone saw Marquise Pouncey's reaction. Marquise Pouncey is absolutely one of the leaders in the Steelers' locker room. 
If there was a battle royal, I would bet on Pouncey to be the last one in the ring of the whole locker room. Tough as could be, respected, hard worker, leader. So it shocked me zero that he was the first one in. And even if he got three, I bet he does that ten out of ten times. You know, he, he's going to be the first one to come defend his teammates. Um, I thought there'd be fifty-fifty shot on Rudolph. I mean, to be honest, what he did to me was not was more a football play that you see every week. And Ojinobi was kind of in that mold too, where what Garrett and Pouncey did are you know off the charts noteworthy. Yeah, I, I assume Steelers fans were hoping Rudolph would get suspended. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I did say that. I think we talked about that on on the DLF podcast. That the uh, just all that that went on the fight and, and everything at the end of the game kind of overshadowed how bad Rudolph was in that game. He was he was terrible. Yeah, he's kind of gotten a little lucky. Like no one's looking at me anymore, right? Yeah. Well, Dan, we'll bring you in as well. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I, I like uh, rehashing the chaos that was <laughs> the Steelers Browns game. It was. It was very interesting. Miles Garrett, um, yeah, he probably should be gone for a little while. You know, this this might sound crazy because that's all we heard on, on Friday, basically. But I was kind of surprised that once Sunday games rolled around, there there really wasn't much talk about it. It kind of went away and, and got lost in the rest of the week. Um, I mean, I told some people I talked to on Friday, this is the biggest NFL story in, in maybe years. And... Two days later, it's it's kind of old news. So I guess that's that's how the league is now. We're going to keep it in Pittsburgh, though, because we've got to talk about my guy, Juju Smith-Schuster. And it's not it's not good news, guys. <laughs> has really obviously struggled all year long. Um, and that, of course, has a lot to do, at least I hope it does, with the absence of Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, Dan, you pointed out Juju struggles this week on Twitter. Uh, in your recap and and of course we know he left that game with an injury actually I guess a couple of injuries a a knee and a concussion so his status for next week and and for the near future is up in the air he's not going to play this week I can pretty much promise you that yeah yeah it kind of seemed like that's how things were trending and you know honestly that's that's probably for the better at this point Matt you took a shot at him on Twitter calling him a good uh, a good wide receiver too or a good sidekick wide receiver which I think is is probably the opinion of a lot of people that you know there were a lot of questions about how he would perform uh, with Antonio Brown gone how he would perform as the number one guy and we we had seen that in what Matt two or three games last year but obviously had not seen it uh, across a full season Matt, I know, I know we, we've got Dan here, but I, I really want to start with you on this one just to ask, again, kind of the feeling around the team, a feeling around the city. How much of this, these struggles from Juju Smith-Schuster are just kind of being dismissed because of uh, the Roethlisberger injury, and how much real concern is there that he can be the team's top option for years to come? Obviously, he'd be doing better with Ben, and... They don't push the ball down the field as much. If you watch the coaches' tape, there's times when Juju and all the receivers are open and Rudolph doesn't pull the trigger. I mean, he's still learning what NFL open is. Um, he's getting better at that, though, I will say. But my take on it is he's still very young, of course. He's physically gifted, 
but he's not super explosive out of his breaks. He's not a pure speed guy. He's kind of an Anquan Bolden mold, and that's fine. But you, that means a lot of contested catches, and Rudolph isn't throwing them in the tight windows or letting those go. But I also don't think he's dealing with the added attention that he gets because A.B.'s not here anymore. And A.B. was at the height of his powers when he left. I mean, he was still playing at an extremely high level. And when I say Juju's a, a really good two, I, I something I've been doing my whole career is I think the term wide receiver one gets thrown around way too much in the NFL. There may be 10 of them in the world, 12 of them in the world. There's not 32 of them. Everyone doesn't have a wide receiver one. And I just think that that's Juju probably will be the top target for the next couple of years. Although I guarantee you the offseason number one priority is going to be get faster on offense, running back, tight end, wide receiver, whatever you can get. Um, but I think Juju will get the bulk of the targets going forward. I mean, he'll be the number one target guy, but I just don't see him as an NFL number one receiver. He's not Odell or Julio or AB or a guy to that degree, in my opinion. Yeah, that's that's fair. That's a fair criticism at this point. We're going to get into our wide receiver draft, uh, Matt, at the end of the show, but I'll just ask you this kind of general question. Should dynasty owners be valuing Juju as a top five dynasty receiver no i don't think i can do that i mean uh, uh, that's there's too many other good ones with less question marks i'm pulling up a list now just to see if i would take five ahead of them i'm pretty sure i would all right well we'll, we'll find out for sure as i mentioned at the end of the show dan let's bring you in because on your recap this week on twitter you you did call juju a buy uh, i know you always like to buy 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 low on the star players and uh, at the very least, I think we can still consider Juju that. What type of price are you willing to pay to get him right now? Well, I think I think if people are viewing him as a dynasty wide receiver too, um, if he's an NFL wide receiver too, I feel like that all helps the case as far as driving the price down. He was overpriced for quite some time. Um, and that's just kind of the nature of the beast, especially after a massive season like that. Then you lose a huge target and the offense is now going to be revolved around a player that isn't a true one. Um, but you know, that, that price maintained for long enough and now everyone's pretty sour. It seems, and the injury is only going to drive that narrative a little further. Mason Rudolph continuing to start is going to push it even down even further than that. So I feel like if you can get him in that 12 to 15, you know, range, uh, as far as wide receivers go, which there's plenty of folks pushing him there. I probably have him around that 10 spot just because of, I don't see him as a true one, but I do see him as a target hog, just like Matt said. Um, There's just so much to unfold in Pittsburgh. I think there's a combination of it being Mason Rudolph, Juju struggling without a a true counterpart, whether it's a, a, you know, a true wide receiver two or an actual wide receiver one. And, you know, Antonio Brown not being there, there's, there's a lot going against him. Defenses have figured out that they can basically take him away, and they're telling the Steelers to beat them with their other players, which, I mean, we've kind of all seen how that goes. So I feel like if you can get Juju, even as a, a you know a late wide receiver one or in that early wide receiver two range, that's a big-time buy just because of what we did see uh, him do with Ben Roethlisberger. Obviously, having Antonio Brown helped a lot, and the volume in that offense helped a lot. But... Um, it, 
what we saw from a 22-year-old, or technically 21-year-old, in, in terms of, of production is something that we really haven't seen. So, um, yeah, he's he's definitely a buy because of his age, because hopefully we see Ben return and, and Mason goes away. Um, and they've got it. They do have to bring in, you know, a, a true another wide receiver, whether it's uh, an NFL wide receiver too, or they think they can get one of these guys in the incoming class that that can be that difference maker on the outside. They can get that playmaker out there, whether you know it's a big wide receiver or someone like Antonio Brown who can just take the top off the defense and beat them every which way. So it's it's a it's an uphill climb to get Juju back to where he was. But I feel like we're so low at this point that he's worth, you know, that that investment at this point. Dan, one word you said there was volume, and I just want people to realize that last year, the I mean, people a lot of people know this, but the Steelers were basically the past heaviest team in the league. This year, I think only one team is running fewer plays per game, so the volume has to go up. Yeah, no, we're we're due for, as all of the folks like to say, positive regression. Uh, it's, it's got to change. Obviously we're looking at probably 2020 from this standpoint, you're probably not going to get much out of him for this season. Mm -hmm. So if you're a contender and you're looking to sink some, some, you know, assets into a big time player, a difference maker down the stretch, I probably wouldn't go the juju route. I'd maybe look towards like a Keenan Allen, uh, or somebody else in, in that kind of range. Uh, but if you have the capital and you can go after somebody with the intentions of using them for 2020 and, and making that big-time push, now's the time to do it on those types of teams. Dan, if the if the starting price for Juju is two twenty twenty first, are you willing to pay that? I think he's worth it. Okay. Yeah, I, I do as well. Let's move on. Another receiver I want to talk about, another young receiver, this one who's having uh, a, a great breakout season, is DJ Chark of the Jacksonville Jaguars. We saw him start the season hot with Nick Foles at quarterback. Uh, of course, Foles got injured. Gardner Minshew came in. Nothing really changed for Chark. He was the top target in that offense, uh, even with the quarterback change. And, and now we've got Foles back, and Chark goes right back to where he was. He catches two touchdowns, and he's all the way up to wide receiver five on the season. Dan, you say to buy him, but how high – how highly should we really be valuing uh, Chark? He's he's only in a second year. I think there's still some questions about the offense uh, as far as how how friendly that offense is for a young wide receiver. But he's producing, and, and you can't you know we can't question that. How aggressive do you want to get with Chark? I mean, we're not going crazy. We're not talking about like high end wide receiver two quite yet. But the fact that we saw him do what he did with Minshew and then also do it, you know, small sample size, but with Nick Foles here as well, I, I think we can comfortably say that whatever the offense is doing, they're doing it right. Uh, we know their intention is to get Leonard Fournette a ton of touches, but we have also seen that offense run plenty of plays, whether they're running the ball or throwing the ball, and they've been efficient enough doing it where these guys are producing at least at a moderate rate. We've seen a couple of massive games from DJ Chark. We've really only seen a couple of a couple of stinkers. One was versus Denver, uh, and then one was last week versus Houston, and that was when the Minshew change uh, came about, or two weeks ago, sorry, when the Minshew change came about. So uh, I feel like, um, oh, and the other one was New Orleans. So a couple of decent pass defenses there. Obviously, Houston's not exactly one, but that was a weird London game. So I, I feel like we can 
we can put Chark probably in that low-end wide receiver two, maybe, maybe, maybe even slightly higher than that. Um, like a month ago, or not even a month ago at this point, when I put rankings out with the thread, I was like, we have to solidify him as a mid-wide receiver three because everyone else is talking about him as a four or five, and I thought I was crazy, and then he just kept going. And now I'm talking about putting him as like a mid to late wide receiver two, thinking I might be kind of crazy at this point because, like I said, just a few weeks ago, I had him right around that 30 mark as far as wide receivers go. But I feel like we can probably put him in that 22 to 26 range uh, with the shuffling going on and, and guys like Tyler Boyd dropping out and Brandon Cooks dropping out. I feel like that only makes space for DJ Chark to go higher. It's funny because I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, Ryan, but I don't think you were a big fan of him coming out. I was not. I thought he was a longer Ted Ginn type, outside the numbers, boomer bust, not route runner type, you know, long-limbed, um, deep threat that didn't change directions real well. And he's not. I mean, he sinks his hips, he comes out of his brakes, he's got burst, he's got agility. I think he's a lot closer to AJ Green than what I thought he was. Yeah, and no, you you are correct uh, that I, I was not a believer in him as a rookie, uh, or, or at least in that in that pre-draft process. I thought he was overdrafted at the time, and all last year I felt felt pretty good about that call, and and now that looks, uh, of course that that looks kind of silly. I agree with you. Everything that I've seen this year has completely changed my mind. Uh, they are not just treating him as as that situational deep threat, um, but as their top target. And I, I don't see anybody, including D.D. Westbrook, that's going to challenge that anytime soon. Uh, looking at our ADP, and uh, this is from DLF, from Dynasty League Football. And at this point, it is uh, about two weeks old or so. D.J. Chark was wide receiver 26 in that data. Um Dan, that's that's kind of the range you were mentioning. But looking at some of the players ahead of him, I think he'll certainly jump those. You mentioned Boyd and Cooks. Uh, Robert Woods is another. I could see him uh, climbing ahead of the next time we do this in December. But one interesting guy who's in that same range is Christian Kirk. Dan, are you taking Christian Kirk or DJ Chark? I think Christian Kirk, just because of the Kyler factor and potentially even the Kingsbury factor, I feel like that offense has has more big-time potential right now. Um, but like I said earlier, Jacksonville is kind of on the way to, to really figuring out their offense and, and kind of getting it down pat. So uh, it's Kirk, but it's really close. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I agree all around. I would take Kirk, and I uh, I also think it's close. We're going to stick with the uh, breakout wide receiver theme and move over to Cortland Sutton. Dan, you said on Twitter in in your recap that Cortland Sutton was on his way to elite status. He was the wide receiver 12 this week, so another wide receiver one game uh, for him, another top 12 game. That puts him up to wide receiver 16 on the season. And I've heard heard many people say Sutton is having a quiet breakout season. That's, That's really the case. He He's not put up any of those massive games with 150 yards or three touchdowns, anything like that. But he's chipping away every week with 95 yards and uh, a touchdown every other week, basically. And he is, I agree, on his way to to really seeing some some massive value. I think he could be a guy 
who cracks the uh, top 12 wide receivers when we're looking at offseason ADP. Is that what you're seeing as well? Yeah, I think he's right on right on the fringe right there. There's there's a lot of guys, um, you know, the DJ Moore range, the Kenny Galladay range. Right in there, I feel like he he kind of belongs. We you talked about the the quiet breakout. I feel like he was consistently in that buy low or is it time to give up kind of range. And you know, he he was He's still obviously young and, and learning the ropes and didn't get himself into the best of situations going to Denver. And then we see the transition to Joe Flacco, and we've kind of all seen what Joe Flacco is over the years, and he produces. And then Joe Flacco gets hurt. Now all of a sudden, here comes Brandon Allen, and everybody's, oh dear Lord, here comes Brandon Allen. All right, we can buy low on Cortland Sutton again. Well, now Cortland Sutton's producing with Brandon Allen. So I don't want to go as far to say that He's quote unquote QB proof, but he's very insulated. He's making plays and he's making cornerbacks look consistently mediocre. I mean, he he made Xavier Rhodes, who's considered one of the better cornerbacks in the league. I mean, he made him look like a fool in the Minnesota game, and it was consistent. It was basically all game. He was open, and and Brandon Allen just maybe didn't see him occasionally. So I feel like Sutton is right there. The issue with getting him above that, you know, that wide receiver one range is the fact that there's those guys in front of him. You can't just displace guys that are producing and have the historic value just because you want to put them there. But he's right on their heels. And if we can if we see him consistently do this for the remainder of the season, obviously everyone has bad games. But if he's, you know, if if he finishes with even 70% of what he's been doing, I feel like he's going to be in that wide receiver one range, you know, even as high as like eight, nine, and 10. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I hadn't looked at him in that light, but you make really strong points. You know, whenever I saw we were going to discuss Cortland Sutton, I kept thinking, but his, but the Denver quarterback situation might be the worst in the league. I mean, it, it, this big picture. Uh, is Elway going to get the next guy if Locke isn't the, the you know if he doesn't show anything? Do I trust him to ever get the quarterback situation right? But then you start talking about how he's made Flacco and Allen and these guys look presentable, and he goes up and gets he's a bad ball catcher. Sure helps, and I, I think you guys like Noah Fant more than I do. I don't think he's a, a big obstacle in terms of red zone production or anything like that. Sutton has much better ball skills and you know, touchdown upside. It's a pretty lofty standard, though, to have him, you know, in that 12 neighborhood. But you mentioned him against Galladay, DJ Moore. He's right in that tier. Yeah, that's where I am as well. And and I really think you both mentioned those names, Galladay, Moore, uh, along with Sutton. I think all three of those guys are just uh, just targeting a, a top 12 spot. And you see guys like Julio Jones, who... This time, you know, in, in just a few months, January, February, when we're looking at off-season ADP, I think Julio Jones is going to have a really hard time hanging on to a wide receiver one spot. Same thing for Keenan Allen. Uh, Cooper Cup's in that range right now. He could he could certainly go back down to the wide receiver two range. And, and the guy we already talked about, Juju Smith-Schuster, I think is in danger of falling out of the wide receiver one group. So... Um, there's some spots up for grabs and, uh, we always know that, that dynasty players 
chase that youth, chase that upside. And Sutton, along with the other guys we mentioned, certainly have that. We'll see if any of them get drafted in our one round back to the future draft uh, in just a few moments. Let's talk about a guy you suggested selling, uh, Dan. And, and I don't know, I don't know what kind of feedback you got on this one, but this could certainly be viewed as a little uh, hot takey or controversial. Christian McCaffrey, uh, Christian McCaffrey, the, the clear uh, running back one this season. I think for most people, he has overtaken Saquon Barkley as the overall uh, most valuable player in, in dynasty, the 1.01 favorite in a startup draft. He was the RB1 last week and didn't even score a touchdown. His team only scored three points, and he somehow still managed uh, to put up the big numbers, which is maybe just as impressive as almost anything he's done this year. I was looking at some of the numbers. His current fantasy point total through 11 weeks, if you look back at last year, that would have been good for the running back six finish on the entire season, <laughs> which which is just crazy. Um, so, Dan, you did suggest possibly selling and looking into selling Christian McCaffrey if you're getting crazy prices. What what are those crazy prices? What would make you sell CMC in a dynasty league? Well, it's probably going to start with another first-round player, um, whether it be wide receiver or running back, and then either a lot of draft capital or you know, maybe like a wide receiver too. It's going to take a big ask. But like you just mentioned, those those numbers he's putting up are absolutely absurd. We've seen it all over Twitter. We've we, you know we've heard it on podcasts. He's a cheat code at this point. Um, so I did a little bit of digging to kind of I was trying to come up with something to do with Christian McCaffrey. I knew these prices were getting absurd, and I feel like you can really if your team isn't strong outside of having Christian McCaffrey. I mean, he's probably making you a playoff team just on his own, which is absolutely nuts. But if your team isn't strong outside of that one player, one position, and you can move him for three or maybe four starters that have upside, that maybe have some youth on their side, I don't know how you you can't, uh, assuming you're still getting one high-end player in return and then kind of making that move. But like I mentioned, I, I did a little bit of digging and looked at some some historical stuff. So he's currently on pace to have over 400 touches, which, again, we've seen and heard and, and, you know, beaten the horse with it, blah, blah, blah. In NFL history, uh, at least since 1920, according to um, Pro Football Reference, there have been 43 instances of a running back having 400 or more touches. Nine people have done it more than once. Not the best, but when we think about this price and where Chris McCaffrey has gone, 400 touches is built into that price. So if we sell at 400, the numbers basically are telling us that he's probably not getting back there. This doesn't mean he's bad. This doesn't mean he's going to decline. This doesn't, it doesn't even mean that he's not going to do it again. But if we can sell him at his 400 touch ceiling, because... Honestly, no one's going to be doing this for all that long. The guys that have done it consistently for you know a period of time are guys like Eric Dickerson, Emmett Smith, uh, Ladanian Tomlinson, Curtis Martin. I mean, we're talking about Hall of Fame backs, and I'm not saying that Christian McCaffrey isn't, but the odds of him doing what LT did, what Emmett Smith did, aren't in his favor, and the prices right now 
are, for me at least, saying if you can get that big boy asking price, if you can get that Hall of Famer asking price, you've got to move because you can genuinely restart your team with one player and one big deal. Yeah, I mean, he just runs so hard. And this isn't exactly what you said, but he's not Jim Brown. You know, I mean, he's a great player, but is he Barry Sanders, Jim Brown, best player of this generation by far at his position? No. I mean, he's really, really good. He gets a gazillion touches, but I have a hard time believing he's going to hold up. Yeah, it's, man, it's it's just a little, it's a little scary to even consider, to even think about trading a guy like that, but Dan, you... Uh, you make a really good case there. And I, I do think, I guess the only thing I would say is I think he will still carry this value, this type of value in the off season. So uh, assuming I'm a contender and if I have McCaffrey, I, I would hope I would be, I like the idea, but I think I'm waiting until the off season. And if I am moving him, I'm looking for one of those uh, first round wide receivers, uh, plus 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 as you mentioned so i would i would pivot to the receiver position uh, and get hopefully a lot along with that what about like chubb and sutton you can get more yeah i would i, yeah. I wouldn't do i wouldn't do that i think you can get more to, to me i want unless i'm just selling for something crazy six first rounders or something <laughs> like that then i want a first round wide receiver to be the the main piece of what I'm getting back. I saw Barkley go for five last year. You could get five first for Chris McCaffrey right now to a team that has the capital and can do it. Yeah. Wow. Yep. Last player we want to talk about guys before we move over to our receiver draft is Debo Samuel. The rookie for the 49ers now has back to back wide receiver one games, top 12 fantasy games. Uh, Dan, it sounded from your recap like you liked, of course, what you have seen from Debo Samuel, but you called him tough to buy. I assume that's based on the idea of kind of buying high after the best two games of his his rookie season. Are you paying a 2020 first rounder for Debo at this point? Yeah, absolutely. I, I feel like I, I feel like that's probably his his break even point. Um, but I would imagine the folks that drafted him probably got him in that late first or early second. So they're probably not moving off of him right now. And the reason I said he's tough to buy is because he was such an easy buy for, I mean, for six, seven weeks, honestly. Um, Now we see him really start to explode as kind of the centerpiece in the offense. We see all of the, all of the references to like Anquan Bolden, which it's hard to look at him and not see and it's it's truly impressive what he's done. And a lot of times what makes a player tough to buy is the big swings in value. Debo Samuel was pretty well undervalued for, like I said, quite a while for basically the, the first you know two months of the season. And now he's going to he's going to make that that correction. And it's all going to happen at once. It's not going to be that slow roll into all of a sudden now he's, you know, a wide receiver, a low, low end wide receiver four. And then now all of a sudden he's a low end wide receiver three. And now he's a high end wide receiver three. He's going to make that full leap from wherever he's at right now. I've seen him as low as like wide receiver 60 in places. Um, he's going to make that full leap from there into the wide receiver three range, just because of these last two games. And because of the, the Shanahan offense in the way the ceiling, you know, honestly, the ceiling's probably the, the, the sky at this point for him. 
Um, I love what I'm seeing. The only thing I wish I would see more of is him using his hands a little bit more to catch, which um, he does a little bit of, but he's not a consistent, you know, go up 50-50 ball and he's and he's plucking it. Um, he's a he's kind of a chest catcher. I actually stated said it in my thread a, a few weeks ago that um, I think Debo Samuel can be really really good, but his catch radius is basically the numbers on his jersey. So. Um, <laughs> I think I've seen him the last couple of weeks get a little bit better at it, and and obviously Jimmy G has to be good too. He's got to be able to hit him consistently and, and throw the ball where he can make those catches. So um, maybe the numbers are being hit because Jimmy G's accurate, and it's not because that's the only way that Debo can catch it. So uh, I feel like he's a tough buy because of the big value swing, yeah. yeah. It's a good point, and like you said, people that did draft him probably it was somewhere from 10 to 15, so they're not going to give him up for anything less, that's for sure. Um, I agree with everything you said. I'm a big fan, but I think uh, I'm cautiously optimistic. I don't think it's an accident that he puts up back-to-back numbers the two games where George Kittle sits out. Big time. That's a good point as well. Uh, Obviously, I I like what I've seen from Debo, not just the past two weeks, but really all year. Uh, I I do think there there are some reasons to to kind of slow our roll on this a little bit. Uh, I watched... His entire career, um, you know, at South Carolina being an SEC guy, and that guy was just always hurt. We even saw it Sunday. He went out of the game for uh, for a series or two, and I, I guess I'm just kind of have that in the back of my mind that maybe he turns into that receiver that always has something going on. Uh, certainly hope that's not the case, but like I said, that's that's one thing that kind of stuck with me from his college career. And then, Dan, you mentioned it. Garoppolo is the other issue. We talked, you know, we've talked about how bad Trubisky is and how bad some of these other quarterbacks are this season. I think we might have been including Garoppolo in that conversation if his defense and running game hadn't masked all that and hadn't been so good uh, this year. Uh, Are you worried about Garoppolo as the quarterback uh, long term? Definitely, uh, and and for the reasons that you mentioned, he's he's being propped up the same way that Bortles has, and the same way that Trubisky has. He's got a, a high end defense, and he's got some playmakers around him that that make him probably look a little better than he should. Uh, and he's been on that sell high while you can list for I think the last couple of weeks now. Um, I, I feel like he's a really good guy to use if you're looking to get up to the. Uh, the Russell Wilsons or the Dak Prescotts in quarterback, let's say Superflex, that's a perfect way to bridge that gap because a lot of guys aren't trading away a quarterback unless they're getting one in return. So you can go from probably someone that's that's being propped up by uh, other factors rather than their arm and, and their actual ability and get into somebody that's been consistently good and and will continue to have that value throughout without having to really give up a ton more because it, you know that, that super flex value Garoppolo's probably getting um, getting to that low end QB1 range I would imagine to me I if I I would rather have a first round pick next year if it's in the top half of the round I'd rather have Debo if the picks in the second half of the round you guys on board with that yeah yep I, I agree as well okay let's take a minute here to talk about Harry's what guy in your life are you shopping for this holiday season a dad a brother an uncle whatever well think about harry's i've told you guys many times that i've switched over i'm totally hooked my sensitive skin gives me no problems and i get a much better shave 
than with an electric. So this holiday season, if you're looking for a gift that keeps on giving, you know, give them Harry's. And here's what's the best thing to do. Listeners to our show get $5 off any Harry's shave set by heading to harrys.com slash dynasty. Free shipping ends on December 16th, so act now. Make, make sure you get that done as soon as you're done listening here, or hit pause and go do it. It's, pra- it's a practical gift he'll actually use. Harry's makes sharp blades at last, German engineering and award-winning, backed by a 100% quality guarantee. So if he doesn't love his shave, you get a full refund. He'll love his shave, though. It's a great deal for you and for him. Holiday sets start at just 20 bucks. That's within Secret Santa limits. And Harry's blade refills are as low as two bucks each, so your guy will save money over time. It comes in a ready-to-gift in a handsome holiday gift box, and your gift gives back. One percent of each sale will be donated to charitable organizations. So, and we have a special offer for the fans of our show. We've partnered with Harry's to give you five dollars off any shave set. That includes their limited edition holiday sets. When you go to Harry's.com/dynasty, plus you get free shipping, and each Harry's shaving set comes with a weighted wonderful handle with an option to engrave, five blade razor cartridges, foaming shave gel for a rich lather, travel cover to protect your blades, and it's packaged in a handsome holiday gift box. So, like I said, free shipping ends on December 16th, so get on this now and go to harrys.com slash dynasty. That's harrys.com slash dynasty. Hey guys, we're going to wrap up our show today with our Back to the Future wide receiver draft. We've done this the past couple weeks with the quarterback and running back position. Basically, we're fast forwarding through the rest of this uh, 2019 season. We're moving on to the off season of 2020. Uh, at least that's that's the idea uh, behind these drafts. And we're going to draft only the wide receiver positions. We'll do one round, 12 total picks. And we're going to start with Matt at the 101. Michael Thomas. I don't know if Drew Brees will last forever, but Sean Payton will figure it out. He's just catching too many balls. He's a great player. He plays in a dome. That was an easy one for me. Yeah, it does seem like Thomas has moved up and uh, and claimed that wide receiver one spot over Hopkins. Uh, some people, you know, we don't have to talk about that, but some people maybe had Juju as their wide receiver one mm. entering the season. I know some people had Devonte Adams. Um, some people had Odell following the trade. It's it's tough to back any of those guys as the top guy, the top receiver right now uh, when comparing to Michael Thomas. I've got the second pick. Um, I think I'm going to go with, I can't I can't do it. Can't do it. Uh, I'm going to go with Tyreek Hill at two. Um, some some risk there, of course, but I think uh, I think after Thomas, the next handful of guys are are really in a bucket that are pretty close. Um, so age is on Tyreek Hill's side compared to a couple of the other guys, and I'm going to give Dan his choice of the next two at three and four. Well, anyone that follows me on Twitter uh, knows my favorite picture to share is the um the the nuke or nook uh picture the brand of pacifier uh so he he is going to be my pick at 4 because ahead of him I am going to take Amari Cooper at the 103 um hoping to see Amari get that contract done with Dallas uh, I feel like they made the mistake of paying Zeke before they paid 
the quarterback and wide receiver. But if they can make that happen, that's a that's a combination that's going to be tough to beat for a long time. So Amari at three, and then uh, DeAndre Hopkins at four. All right, I, I like both of those picks. Obviously, Hopkins. Um... I think for most people, Hopkins was probably the wide receiver one entering, and it's not even really fair to say he's he's lost value. I just think some of these other guys have caught up uh, a little bit. And uh, Dan, you know, you know, I support that Cooper pick at uh, three overall. Um, all right, next I am gonna go with I think I'm gonna go with Mike Evans here at five overall. Um, again, I view really the top eight or nine guys is just almost the same. So uh, it's kind of, uh, kind of just the mood I'm in. We've seen Evans be the wide receiver one since, since Tampa's by a few weeks ago, performing maybe at the highest level he ever has in his career. Matt, that puts you on the clock for six and seven. Yeah. And I agree with you, Ryan, that there's a big lump of about six or seven guys here that really are about the same, and if we could trade down and get something to go from three to seven, that would be great. But I had Devontae Adams as my number three overall. Um, very little competition for from the other receivers. Great quarterback. Um, I think that's an easy one at this point. And then it gets difficult for me. I'm just going to go with talent and take Odell. Um, you mentioned most people had Hopkins as their number one this offseason. I had Odell as my number one. I don't trust the organization, but it's looking a little bit better. I think Odell may finish this season very strong and just a great football player. Yeah, I can't argue with either one of those for sure. Um, Adams, certainly another guy that uh, I think we would have considered. He he wouldn't have been a bad pick anywhere in that top five. Uh, Eight overall, this is my pick, and I'm going to pull the trigger and take Juju Smith-Schuster. Honestly, I still considered him at the two spot overall, but Dan, as you said earlier, you just know, I I don't know. There's there's just too many questions at this point to put him in that top two or top three. Uh, He is the pick at eight, and now, Dan, you have your final two picks at nine and ten. Well, uh, this is... This is where it really, for me, starts to get messy. I've got, um, you know, I've got that top half pretty, pretty consistent. Juju kind of splits that difference, I would imagine. So because we're considering mostly future and not what's all happening right now, with eight, I'm sorry, with nine, I am going to take Stefan Diggs, a guy we've seen when used is a game changer, is explosive, with Kirk Cousins at the helm when he's aggressive Kirk and not back foot Kirk. Um, he's almost untouchable, and, and that combination is deadly. So uh, I do like Stefan Diggs quite a bit. I think, feel like that, that back half uh, wide receiver one spot is is where he should be. Um, not really you know, necessarily in this order, but I feel like this is kind of where he belongs. And a guy we talked about earlier, a guy who I think is going to keep climbing the charts and, and make this big-time push, Again, because we're talking 2020 and beyond, I'm going to take Cortland Sutton. I feel like he's been consistent enough this year. He's shown that he can do quite a bit with, you know, not really a whole lot. He's consistently had between six and eight targets and never more than that. And we've seen what he's been able to do with that. So um, the ceiling we haven't even gotten close to yet. I think we're living on the floor right now. 
All right. I wondered if we would see one of those guys in this exercise. So I um, love seeing the Sutton pick there. I'm going to finish up my group with the 11th overall pick. You made it easy on me. I already took Mike Evans. I'm going to get his teammate and take Chris Godwin at 11. Uh, you know, just, just with what we've seen this season, it was actually tough to take Juju uh, at eight over Godwin. So I'm glad to get them both. And Matt, you can finish us up at the 12 overall pick. Yeah, I'm going to break the rules and go around the bend and take 12 and 13 so I don't have to pick <laughs> oh, between these two. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to take Lockett and Galladay. Lockett is, it was having as good a year as any receiver in the league. He's still young. He's got the league MVP. I think Metcalf there helps him, if anything. I think Galladay in Stafford are a really good combination with both these quarterbacks that are playing pretty much the best of their career established. You know what they are at this point. I think the world's in front of Galladay. So I was torn between those two. Um, I think that's maybe a little out of where they've been going in dynasty drafts, but they're both really impressive to me. Yeah, just, just a little bit. Um, Galladay is wide receiver 13 in our most recent ADP and Lockett is wide receiver 15. So not too much of a stretch. We'll, we'll let you cheat on that one and and drop both of those names. Uh, That group of 12, or uh, I should say group of 13, that leaves Julio Jones out. Keenan Allen, Cooper cup. We talked about the idea of all three of those guys falling out this off season. uh, And, and that's exactly what happened in our fast forward to the off season. Uh, DJ Moore was the other guy, uh, the other receiver that we had talked about earlier. And then I thought had a, uh, had a shot of being drafted in this. I, I still think he has a chance to be uh, a top 12, top 15 receiver in, in off season value and, and ADP. Quick question for both of you. If you had your choice of a draft eligible receiver for next year, whereabouts would they have gone in this draft? For me, Jerry Judy's the, the top guy, though he, he's got a lot of competition. Uh, and, and again, we, I think I mentioned it last week, we're going to do this, do this again, run through all four positions uh, starting in, in a couple weeks, but we will include those 2020 rookies. Uh, I, I, wouldn't take, I wouldn't take any 2020 rookie over the guys we talked about okay, today. Okay, okay. Yeah, I've got I've probably got three or four more guys on the list before I'm talking about Jerry Judy, who's also my number one. Uh, <clears throat> you know, the DJ Moore's, the Keenan Allens. Uh, I'd even consider having DK Metcalf in that conversation because of the way he's played. Matt mentioned having Russell Wilson, you know, the MVP, and the way Lockett has been playing, and, and he's in his prime right now. So uh, I think that offense could do a lot of things. But yeah, I, th- I feel like that 14, 15, 16 range is probably where you'd probably see that that top uh, 2020 wide receiver. Does does Metcalf play with Lamar Jackson? You said you said MVP. I, <laughs> no, you confused me I a little sh- bit there. I should have said runner up to Dak Prescott is what I should have said. Oh wow! <laughs> uh, all right, we we've got to end things on that note. Uh, thanks for listening, guys. We'll be back next time with more Dynasty Blueprint. <laughs>